Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 349. Don't beat yourself up because you can't do the clever stuff. Go and do the other stuff that needs doing. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi, it's Sue, and welcome to this week's show. Can you believe it? Next week is Christmas, exactly one week away. And since I air the podcast on Saturdays, That means that there'll be a new episode waiting for you on Christmas morning. It's a special one, of course. So if your holiday plans allow, tune in for added spirit and joy coming your way. Today, I'm also keeping things light and in tune with the season. But don't let the title fool you. Storytelling can be a real differentiator for you. We're always searching for ways to stand out and be recognized, particularly when there's probably thousands of others who make a product similar to yours. Here's a secret. Most people approach a solution to the visibility issue in the wrong way. They try to make their product better or price it lower. Honestly, this is not the way to go. Better? What does that even mean? What people consider better will be different from one person to another. So how do you pin down better? It's a stab in the dark and will resonate with some and not with others. And then dropping your price. That's diminishing your product quality and your skill and ultimately leads to a very sad financial situation. Nope, better and lower priced aren't the answers. But storytelling, ah, that's a different strategy entirely. It's a no-cost way to endear people to you, to deepen the connection between you and your customers, and to give people stories that they can pass on to could-be customers that they know. Think of the season we're in right now. Holiday stories get told and retold. I bet you have a favorite or two that you read or a movie that you watch year after year. It brings back wonderful memories. It's emotional and meaningful. Now, I'm not suggesting that you make a holiday story for your business, but you can incorporate the feelings that stories bring into your brand. When you do this, you become shareworthy and more people discover you. And of course, the more people who know about you, the more people who will buy. So let's dive into how you can become a storytelling business. Cue Chloe, our storytelling expert. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome back Chloe Thomas from e-commerce master plan. Chloe has been in e-commerce since 2003, meaning there is barely a part of the e-commerce landscape she's not involved with. From the start, Chloe's been solving e-commerce marketing problems. 
tiny problems, where to spend your advertising dollars, to more sophisticated issues such as identifying how to adapt to big opportunities like emotional commerce and storytelling, which is what we're going to be focusing on today. Chloe is a best-selling author, international speaker, and the host of the award-winning e-commerce master plan and keep optimizing podcasts. Both these shows are regularly included in lists of the top e-commerce and marketing podcasts in the world. She's also one of Scurry's top 30 e-commerce influencers for 2021. Chloe, I am so excited to have you back. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thanks, Sue. It's great to be back catching up with you again. So just to fill our listeners in, last time you were on the show was just over a year ago, and we were talking about email marketing. If you want to catch what we did the first time, that will be episode number 290. You can just go back in the list and catch that one at your convenience. Chloe, I'm so excited that you have a new candle ready for us. (laughs) I do. I do. I couldn't come on your show and not have a candle. And I figured it would be wrong to give you the same answer as last time. (laughs) Well, we just wouldn't have done it then. But you know, our lives change. Things that inspire us change as we grow and develop too. So I really appreciate you having something prepared for us with that. So I know I don't have to explain it to you. Let's go ahead and dive into a motivational candle that resonates with you and is guiding you as you move forward. Okay, it's a green candle this time because green's kind of like my second favourite colour after pink and blue, which doesn't entirely make sense, but it's a green one. It's a nice, relaxing green colour. And the words on it are should, not could. So three words, should, not could. Okay, give us an explanation behind that. I describe myself as a marketing problem solver and I try and drill down what's at the core of all the problems people are dealing with. Because, you know, the problem isn't usually how do I do Facebook ads? It's usually a bigger, it's usually below that. And what I keep coming back to more and more over recent months and in my own business, as well as with the retailers I speak to, is there is just so much that we could be doing. But Mm. what makes the difference is what we should be doing. So the candle's like a visual reminder of, hold on, is what you're doing at the moment what you should be doing or just one of the hundreds of things you could be doing in your business? Because we can all be busy fools working on something we shouldn't be working on. But to not be a busy fool, you have to constantly say to yourself, hold on a minute, should I be doing that? So it's should, not could. Love it. And should in a very specific light, because you know how you get some people who say, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, you should be doing this. That's not what you're talking about here at all. (laughs) They're just giving you a list of things to put on the could list. And then you have to look at the could list and go, actually, what out of that should I actually be doing? What's going to make the most difference to me? And you decide on what you should be doing based on, I'm thinking something that's closest to the sale or closest to whatever current goal you're working on. Yeah. And that fits with your vision and your mission. It also, it fits in personal life as well, because I've certainly found as we come out of lockdown and restrictions, all of a sudden there's so much you could do. And it's really easy again to just do stuff for the sake of stuff. So working out, actually, what do I want to fill my time with? 
So it works on a personal side as well as the business side. And the one thing I always see for myself is I'll gravitate to things that I like to do or that I know how to do versus the harder stuff that I should be doing. (laughs) (laughs) So throughout the day, and I seriously, honestly do it. I'm not making this up for this conversation. I will stop myself at a point in time and say, okay, is this really what I should be doing right this minute? And oftentimes I have to reset myself on the right course. Because it's just naturally easy to gravitate to those other things. Yeah, I do the same. And then the other thing I do is I end up doing what's noisiest. What does that mean? Noisiest in your head? As in, you know, if I've got someone I'm doing a webinar for and they keep emailing me stuff, I'll just keep replying. Yeah. That was the only hour I had of solid time during the day that I should probably be spending on something more strategic. All of a sudden, my hour of strategy time is gone because I kept listening to the inbox or I looked on my upcoming podcast episodes list and went, oh, I haven't done the social media for that one yet. I better write that even though it's not coming out for a month Mm -hmm. because it's noisy. And once you've ticked it off, it's one less thing on the Asana board. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Is this a trick that if I need to get something from you, then I'm just going to bug you until you give it to me? Oh, yeah, I get. Yeah, just bug me. Everybody. Telling people that should I, but yeah. If it, I do like to tidy things up. So if it looks signal in the inbox, it's probably going to get done before something that should get done. Hence the candle. Yeah. I mean, I know we're kind of just riffing here, but it's also a nice productivity conversation because I'll also do some of those things that don't necessarily need to be done right away. If I've been working hard all day and I'm still going to put in more time, but maybe I shouldn't be doing things that are really going to take a lot of brain power because I'm maxed. My decision capabilities are over. But there's some things that I can tick off the list like you're talking about and get taken care of so they're not still sitting there. And those would be good times to do that when you don't need that really focused energy, I guess I'll say. Yeah, totally agree. That's one of the big things I've learned over the, what, 15, 20 years I've been in business is if you're feeling kind of sapped of energy, do the sapped of energy tasks. (laughs) Don't beat yourself up because you can't do the clever stuff. Go and do the other stuff that needs doing. Yeah. And then when you do have the energy, then you go back to that and it takes so much less time to get it accomplished. So much easier. So good conversation to get started. I like that a lot. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) I wasn't expecting it, but from you, I never know what to expect, Chloe, but it's always great. So there you go. (laughs) Let's dive into storytelling. And you talk about the fact that's one of the focus topics that you like to talk about and guide your clients through. Let's start for my audience about what specifically we mean about storytelling and why it's important. Sure. So one of the reasons I'm so fascinated by storytelling, I think it's partly because I've spent most of my career doing direct marketing, be it Google ads or sending catalog mailings and that kind of stuff. So I'm very much about the numbers, but increasingly I see how important the storytelling. So the fact it's kind of more amorphous and harder to get your head around is one of the reasons I find it so fascinating. And it's something which over the last, I think I've probably been talking about it for four or five years now, but it's, it's an area which initially it was kind of the leading people you know like the early adopters were into storytelling marketing or the you know the lucky accidental ones who just like doing it were seeing the benefits and now as consumer trends and consumer needs have changed it's something we all now need to take account of businesses not just because people like me people like you Sue say it but because it's what consumers want to hear from us and you said to explain what I mean by storytelling and why 
I think if I explain the why, it will help making the what make a bit more sense. Okay. So why is storytelling so important right now? It's because consumers want more than just the features of your product. They want to know who they're buying from. They want to understand where that product's come from. They want to feel an emotional connection to the product and to the business they're buying it from. And, you know, that's not necessarily they're going to hug you in the middle of the street level of emotional connection, but they want to know more than just the fact it's a pretty necklace. They also are increasingly into, I guess you could go under the broad remit of ethical considerations, be it kind to the planet, be it sustainability, be it, you know, no toxic stuff in there, no plastic. There's all these kind of tick boxes that consumers have and research shows that increasingly they are checking these things before they buy. So storytelling is about getting the humanity of your business, the the story of your products and the good things that you're already doing out there in front of people so they're aware of it and so that pulls them to you, but also so that when they want to find the answers, they can find the answers. You know, when they're doing those last few checks, is this a company I want to buy from? They can find that goodness before they check out. Quick question for you here. I used to talk a lot about storytelling and just building a relationship with your audience because then that also develops a level of trust because people in the past have been very, very skeptical about who are they ordering from online? If I give my money, will I even receive the product? Do you see that still being an issue? Is Has it increased, decreased? What are your thoughts there? I'm very glad you asked me that question because trust was the word I forgot to mention (laughs) in storytelling because it's so central to it. Trust remains one of the key reasons people don't check out online is because they don't trust the person, the business that they're buying from. And yes, we have things like secure checkout logos. We have customer testimonials, user-generated content. All that kind of stuff we can use to increase the trust status. But also a hugely powerful part of it is who is this person I'm actually buying from? If I go to the About Us page on the website, are there pictures of them so I can see they actually exist? Is there why they created this, who they are? Can I tell they're they're real? When I send them an email, do they actually get back to me? So yeah, trust definitely comes into the importance of storytelling. Okay. And you know, if someone doesn't trust you and make the decision to take the next step by even putting something in your cart, you're not going to get to that other stuff anyway. No. You know, you don't even have a chance to show those logos and that you're secure and all of that if people don't make that next step. It's just walking the path towards the sale in a strategic way through storytelling, which feels much less salesy and much more comfortable, too. Most of your storytelling, you know, where it has its biggest impact is early in the customer journey. You know, if you're doing the storytelling well, the storytelling impact happens before the customer even interacts with your business because they hear it from a friend who already knows your story and he goes, oh my God, I know the most amazing leather goods manufacturer. Not that they put it that way. A <laughs> person who makes wallets and purses and handbags. I know they're amazing. I bought this from them. They do this and that and she's called that and this is why they do what they do and all their leather comes from a ranch in I don't know, Argentina. And the person you previously sold to starts the storytelling for you because you've already got that across. And we all know we've been chatting to a friend and they've recommended a product. And if they go, yeah, this handbag's really pretty. Great. If they go, this handbag's really pretty and it was made by Claire and Claire gets all her hides from Argentina and they dye them in eco-friendly ways and they have no waste because the waste 
they turn into these tags or whatever it might be, then you're so much more going to remember that. You're giving them something to talk about to their friends. And it can't be in like just a bullet point on your website either, because then they're not going to really capture and retain the information that's done through storytelling, right? Exactly. I got it. It lives across your social media, across the About Us page of your website, in your post sign up email sequence, you know, the welcome campaign before someone purchases. It exists in all those places. It quite possibly some of it exists on your homepage. But if you get those elements right, then you're training your ideal customer to understand the reasons they should buy from you. And you're also filtering. So in the example of the handbags where the hides come from Argentina, if there's vegans landing on your website, they very quickly know this is not the right site for them because these handbags are not vegan. So you're also filtering out people who don't care about the same things as you. And it is an awful lot easier to sell to people who care about the same things that you do. And you also are able to talk to people easier because you're actually talking with people who your product is in alignment with what they care about. They have filtered themselves out and you know exactly who you're talking to. So you can adjust your messaging accordingly. Exactly. So you're kind of setting the groundwork, building the trust, building the understanding and on we go. And what goes into the storytelling, it's if you think about it, if you're at a craft fair and someone comes to your stand and it's one of those lovely quiet moments. I don't know if anyone, if any of your listeners really think a quiet moment at craft fair is lovely. But one of those moments (laughs) when you've got the time to speak to the people who are there and you have an interesting conversation with them about the product and who you are and where you've traveled from and all the rest of it. It's all that kind of stuff we need to be doing in the digital space. And you want to bring it up in certain places. It's kind of a subtle, unconscious way of relaying information. In other words, your potential customer is receiving that information just through what you're talking about. You're not saying, okay, let me share everything about you so that you know and can tell your friends. (laughs) You know? Exactly. It's not that at all, but it's a much more subtle way of relaying the information over. And... I was going to just say, Chloe, that this idea of downtime at a craft show would be a great time to pull out your phone, do a quick Facebook Live showing you're at a craft show, and doing some storytelling there as well. Well, completely, because there's kind of these two parts to the storytelling. You've got the brand founder key information that you want to get across to someone who's coming for the first time. You know, the bit that sits on the About Us page and that you then use in the welcome campaign and you occasionally use across social. Then you've got the dynamic storytelling part of it, which is what's going on in the brand, the behind the scenes, the evolutionary stuff, which, yeah, if you're at a craft fair and when you're set up before the people have come in or it's early enough, there's not many people around or your team are coping with things, that's the time. Yeah, like you say, get the phone out, do a live, do a video, take some photos so as you can explain to people you are at the event because any event, there's the opportunity of the fact you're there and you've got the people in the room, but there's also the opportunity of marketing the fact you're a real business who goes to these places, who have, look at all the stock lined up. We're not someone who's created one bracelet and is trying to flog it on Etsy. Right. I love that you put it into two parts, your brand founder story, why you started your business, what your business is about, maybe even there you might even put like demos of your product. But then under dynamic gosh, that's just open to so much. That's everything that you just described, but also day-to-day things that come up are part of your story too. And your story might even be like, let's say you're a painter and by accident you spill the paint all over, (laughs) right? 
that's not something that you're going to talk about forever, but gosh, take a photo of it, keep it. And that could be a story about everything isn't all beautiful and colorful in my life. Look what happened last week. (laughs) Things like that. That builds a relationship. It makes people understand your personality. Yes. And I think you make a really good point there, which is it's good to show frailty as well as success. You know, oh man, I can knock over the paint pots too, or this hasn't gone as well, or I've got the kids in today, so I'm not going to get anything useful done. You share that reality, that humanity behind things, and that helps people relate even better because they're like, oh gosh, yes, I'm having a terrible day too. Yeah, I think it also speaks to the trust factor Mm. because I think we're all getting tired of those picture-perfect images and everything is so fabulous, you know, in the post-text. And because we all are trying to get over the fact that we realize that it's not. And so being able to show that just increases your level of trust with people, just to be honest with them. Completely. And it means it also, if you want to think about it analytically, Yeah, great. You just threw the paint all over the floor. But yes, we've got some social content. So there's a bright side to throwing paint all over the floor. I mean, seriously, (laughs) really, I would. And you might not be in the mood to talk about it right now because you might be really angry. But just take your phone, take some pictures. If you use them, great. If you don't, that's fine, too. At least you have them. Yeah. So they're ready. So, okay, we've started talking a little bit about different types of topics. And I think they'll continue to come up in the conversation. But is there a point where of things you shouldn't share or that you're sharing too much? I think there's a level you have to be comfortable with. And I'm not suggesting anyone share anything they're not comfortable sharing. So there is some people will share more than others because that's the level they feel happy with. I think, you know, sharing things that happen within your working space, because we can share an awful lot of personality without it having to be, here's my breakfast, here's me on the weekend going for a walk. There's an awful lot we can share within our business that shares that personality without it having to encroach on our personal lives. So I think you have to try and work out where you feel comfortable yourself in terms of what you're willing to share. But it should be more than the perfectly stylized photo from your latest photo shoot. So there should be something. In terms of how much, what sort of quantity, I think that comes down to how much interaction you get and how much engagement you get on those. There's certainly a testing period of what do people react well to? What are they interested in? What gets the engagement? And I would suggest that behind the scenes or content from a gift fair, I always find at events, I get a lot of social engagement if I communicate from events because A, I've kind of got interesting photos to share. There's usually a hashtag or there's the organizer's handle that you can use, which gets you more interaction as well. And I haven't met an event person running an event yet who isn't really pleased when you use those two. So that can get when you some brownie points as well. Sure. And I think the whole concept of testing, you know, see how the engagement Mm. goes is really good. I'm going to share with you something that I just did. And it was uncomfortable. I wasn't sure if it was a good idea or not, but I decided I'm going to try it out and see. And that is, we were just talking about the fact that we took a trip to Croatia. When this airs, it'll be about a month ago now. But I told all my listeners and people who are in my Facebook groups for both of my businesses that I was going and if they were interested in seeing my antics, follow me on my Instagram stories. And 
I shared there each day some of the things, like not silly crazy. Like I think maybe there were seven or eight stories up, not where there's all those lines all across, <laughs> you know, like a million trillion. But I did, you know, like a small amount, some of them where they were really learning situations like here, we're at the corner where the first shot rang that started World War One. Like that's kind of interesting, I thought. And so I did that for the whole two weeks that we were gone. And I was surprised how many people told me that they enjoyed seeing that. I wasn't expecting it. I felt like it was too much, but I decided to do a test. Yeah. And I got more followers from it, surprisingly. I'm not exactly sure how that happens in stories. (laughs) (laughs) And some of them were actually the right followers, too. Some of them I tagged based on the locations I was at, so they aren't necessarily the right followers. But the whole point being is I consciously tried something different and I got positive feedback from it. So there's one example. What I like about that as well is you committed to it for the duration of the trip. You didn't commit to, we'll be doing something interesting on stories for the next five years. Right. (laughs) A test could be, you might say to yourself, right, for the next two weeks, I'm going to find something interesting to share on my Instagram stories that's kind of behind the scenesy, and Mm -hmm. just try it and see what happens. But if you're going to try it, you have to do it properly. Spend the time to do the tags. Spend the time to leverage whichever platform you're using it on. Don't just put up the image, put up some kind of hashtag or something on there and see how it goes. But to test this, you don't have to be committing the rest of your life to whatever thing you decide to test first. That's a good point. I'm not good at that because when I start doing something, I feel like I have to continue. This was different because it was just vacation time. But you do need to get rid of some things if you're adding in new things that are working. So the idea and the concept that you're presenting is it's just a test. It's a limited amount of time. And from there, you're going to evaluate, I think, is a great example of something we should take for everything that we do in our business. Oh, completely. And of course, this isn't just on social because it could be that you're going to commit to one email broadcast. So send to your list a month, which talks about something, the creative process or your inspiration rather than is an offer or is a list of products. So a content based email or maybe it's going to be one blog post a month you're going to commit to writing about the inspiration behind something. It doesn't have to be social media, although social media can be hugely powerful but it doesn't have to be social. It doesn't have to be social. That was going to be one of my questions for you. Where could we be doing this? And you're saying social, email, and we already talked about lives, you know, with the craft shows and all. Should it be in every single communication that we send out some type of storytelling or no? I wanted to pause this discussion for a second to let you know that I recognize you may be feeling overwhelmed right now. I mean, I bring on great guests who are specialists in their fields, and we get into fabulous conversations that you know can help grow your business. So after the show, you have all the full intention of grabbing a download, making an adjustment to your website, or any other number of ideas that arise as a result of the podcast. But what happens? You get back to all your other activities, and the momentum you had gets lost. What you plan to do is forgotten. Then you feel bad because your business is going on as usual without implementing anything that you know would help grow your business. You're just too busy doing all the things, like a robot moving from one thing to another without thinking, because you have to. 
I get it. (laughs) I've been there. But guess what? There is another way. Since I recognized this exact behavior in my own business, I set out to do something about it. And now, what works for me, I'm sharing with you. It's the Inspired Daily Planner, made specifically for gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. That's you. But it's not your ordinary planner. First off, it comes with a video explaining my productivity strategy. Plus, it's undated, so you can start using this planner the second it arrives at your doorstep. And that's not all. Included for each day is a motivational tip and plenty of space for you to write down your intention and then schedule time so that you can actually take action on all those ideas that are now getting lost. It's the perfect solution to truly act and move your business forward. And yes, I'm offering you a special discount to get you started with the Inspired program because it's my greatest joy to see you make progress and grow. Go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash get inspired and enter code SALE in all caps to get 40% off of the Inspired Daily Planner. That means for only $21 plus shipping, you'll have a hard copy planner along with my Power of Purpose video that will set you on the path for true business growth now and into 2022. Makes a great gift too. And if you're already using the Inspired program, grab a fresh planner with this discount too. Giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash get inspired and use the code SALE. Remember in all caps. This offer won't be available forever, so don't forget to do it right away. Okay, let's get back to the show. I think as you progress as a marketer and you progress as a business owner, there ends up being some element of storytelling in everything you do because you start to build it into everything. It's not the description of the mug isn't this is a porcelain mug with a design by blah. It becomes this is a porcelain mug we designed in response to our trip to Indonesia and the inks are based on traditional. It just becomes storytelling as you go. I think it's important in every, especially email communication, to always have a link to find out more about the brand or find out more about me as the maker that takes someone through to your About Us page. So if they're at that point, they see something in email, they go, oh, that looks interesting. Maybe they haven't bought from you before, but they're thinking, oh, I can't remember who these people are. It's really easy for them to go and get that founder fundamental story piece. And then on social, I would just mix it in. Ideally, we're not doing a month of story and a month of product. It's mixed up. Obviously, events happen when events happen. But I would mix it in rather than force yourself to try and make everything story because it's the mix of sales and softer content, which leads to the greatest overall sales volume. Yeah, I've been working on integrating storytelling in more. I mean, it's really become a topic, I'd say, over the last four or five years, you know, just gathering and understanding the value of storytelling and why it's important and gaining trust, all the things we talked about in the beginning. And I'm thinking, in my experience, it's getting easier because I'm getting more comfortable and natural with it. Like, even when you were talking about, you know, you're not going to share every single thing you do, like what's for breakfast, 
But if it makes sense and I'm in the mood and I feel like it, I might share with you the coffee that I'm drinking for breakfast because it's what I do every day. Gives you insight into something about me then, right? Or if I have something special that I normally eat because it gives me energy and I know it's healthy for me, I might share that as well, suggesting that, hey, if you've never tried this energy bar, power smoothie, you know, whatever, this is something that I use, maybe you'll like it. Where you're always bringing it back to the viewer and why it would be interesting for them. Completely. I'd occasionally post about what I'm eating. Or maybe it'll be a reaction to someone else's post. So the last thing I think I put up about what I'm eating is someone had put something about, oh my gosh, the biscuits are calling me again. And I replied and went, me too, but at least they're oat cakes. Because I was eating oat (laughs) cakes rather than full fat cookies. So it's not necessarily always having to originate with you either. It could be you see a really interesting discussion on a topic that you think fits. So you join in on that when it happens on social. I suppose that's the good thing about social is it doesn't always have to originate with you, with your own email, etc. It does. And you can also kind of cross-pollinate these things as well. So there's no reason you can't send an email out about, on Instagram, we were having a really interesting debate about energy bars. Go and have a look at our interesting debate on energy bars. You know, so you, the content you're using on social can end up being what makes a blog post, what makes an email. So reusing and kind of recycling across content can be a great way of giving that storytelling piece more. That's excellent. And I feel like we get to those types of things when we just become comfortable with our days, knowing our audience, what we're sharing, keeping them in mind, and then just always keeping a mindset about looking for things as we go through our life that could be storytelling, not creating it from scratch for the purpose of having something to storytell about. You stumble upon it as you're going through your days, and then you're like, aha, this could make for something good for stories. And then you capture it use it right away, use it later. But it's a mindset then that you develop as well. Yeah, exactly. Of thinking, where are the ideas? Because we talked about energy levels for certain tasks. I certainly don't always have the energy to come up with something clever to put on social or something clever storytelling piece. But occasionally my brain is on fire and it's going, oh, we should tell people about this. We should tell people about that. Oh, you should rewrite the About Us page to include this. Now, the trick is, to actually make a note of these things. Inevitably, these ideas crop up when you're busy doing something else. So you've got to keep a note of these ready to then use it when you're then going, oh gosh, I've not said anything interesting, which kind of I do mean, but I really mean I've not shared anything that the audience could emotionally connect with in the last four email sends, the last X blog posts, the last two weeks on Insta. What did I have on my backlog of ideas oh yeah there's that one I took a photo of that too brilliant let's do a last week we were doing this yep that's so good Chloe I absolutely love that and I agree that we don't do it we forget it's so easy just to go through the time think you're going to remember and you don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) it happens all the time All right. I have something that I've heard that I love implementing. I don't remember. Chloe, it might have even been from you. I'm not (laughs) even sure. But this whole idea of storytelling, when you have a story to tell, and this works really, really well with email, is a fun way to capture your reader's attention is to start in the middle of the story. So not saying, for example, I'm totally making this up on the fly. 
I walked in the shop door, looked around at the beautiful displays or, you know, whatever. Instead say, and they all came crashing to the floor and I was so embarrassed. And so (laughs) if you start that way, people are like, what? What happened? And they keep reading. And I love that trick because it gets you going. It's a fun way to write too, to start in the middle. There's no context. And then of course you fill it in a little bit later. But I love that strategy. So have you used it? Is this from you, Chloe? Have I used this? It didn't come from me, but it is very, very clever. And it's a fun way to get started. And, you know, it depends on the topic, probably, of course. You know how there are sometimes people who just think that their life is the most important life of anybody's and they have to sit and tell you every single thing? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that we are suggesting to people there are some things we talked about what not to share perhaps but not everyone is interested in every single part of your life and I want to make sure that we don't go overboard with storytelling where we're talking about what everything we eat how we're tying our shoelaces like we have to be in check with how much and what we talk about what would your comments be on that I would say yes, we do, partly because there's only so many hours in a day. And if you're going to spend that much time posting on social, you're not going to have time to make anything or ship anything or do anything else. So true. (laughs) Yeah. You need to watch the engagement levels with what you're putting out there. You know, if it's a blog post, how much traffic is it getting? If it's an email, how many people are opening it? How many people are clicking through from it? If it's social media, how many likes? mentions, retweets, whatever it may be on the platform you're on. The caveat with the social media stuff is, is it engagement that you want? Like you were saying earlier, Sue, from your holiday Instagram stories, you've picked up new followers, some of whom are relevant, some of whom don't look relevant. And it's very easy on social media. If you manage to hit on a subject matter, which gets a huge number of interactions, but they're not from the right target market. It's like kind of the ice bucket challenge. She says dredging the memory banks back when we all did the (laughs) ice bucket. I didn't, but when many people did the ice bucket challenge, a lot of businesses went to the effort of doing an ice bucket challenge video, quite probably the first video they'd ever made. Admittedly with that, there was the angle of we're doing something good for charity, which is a good message to get in front of people anyway. But I doubt many got as many eyeballs of the people who were mattered to their business as the people who didn't matter to their business because it was such a big trend. Right. Some of those people will have been worthwhile, some won't. So you've got to think about, is what I'm putting up fit with my brand? Is it going to pull in the people I'm interested in? Is it going to create a stronger relationship with the people who I'm trying to appeal to? And that's the one. Broadly, watch the engagement, see what people react well to. On social, add that level of, hold on, are they just reacting to this because it's about the Super Bowl? And so everyone's reacting to Super Bowl or so forth. Right. The ice bucket challenge, and I'm coming back to your point here in a second, is a fun way to show personality too. Yeah, you might attract a bunch of people, which, okay, so that's good for social credibility, I guess. (laughs) Your follower numbers go up or whatever. They're not really ever going to be customers. But it also does show your customers that you're game for that kind of fun, you know, and people are curious about that. So that is fun. I didn't do the ice bucket challenge either. There are other challenges I would do. That is not one of them, (laughs) for sure. But to your point, it all goes back to the engagement, doesn't it? trying things out and seeing how your community responds. And when they respond favorably, 
you know, you, you zero in a little bit more and do a little bit more of that. Exactly. In the ice bucket challenge sense, I am not saying you shouldn't do something like that. I'm saying you have to look at the engagement levels of that differently to how you'd look at the engagement levels of you showing that you'd thrown the paint on the floor because they're probably going to be hitting slightly different audiences. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, so I love making our shows actionable for the people who are listening. So if no one's ever considered storytelling before... How would you suggest someone get started? Are there three steps or something specific that they should consider so that, I mean, we've talked a lot of generalities, a lot of examples, et cetera, but what's something concrete we can leave them with? Well, I think you have to start by getting kind of the fundamental founder story right. That one piece, which I always find it easiest to think of as being the About Us page on the website. That's where it all comes from, because that's where people are going to check when they're going through the buying process. They're going to look for the About Us link on the website, check who you are, and then they're checking that before they check out. It's also the place you're going to link to in every single email, and it will help inspire you when you're going, oh, gosh, we've only sent out sales messages. We need to talk about something else. Let's remind people of our About Us page. That About Us page, absolutely, for all the things that you just said. You know what I've been seeing people doing a lot lately, Chloe, is... Once you've got that information down, have it on your website, all that you just talked about, take that and do a video. Talk with people about it. And I'm seeing people doing this on Instagram a lot. Also, even Reels, how they're doing the Reel where they're the same person for each part of their business, that Reel that's going around. Mm -hmm. But even just a video talking to people about who you are and just stating almost the exact same things you've put on your About page because it's fresh in your mind. Yeah, that's why I say start with the About Us page, because it's kind of like the starting line for all of this storytelling. It's where you're going through the process of putting it together really helps you and you work out what are the key messages we need to get across. Because you can do a video that goes, hey, I'm Chloe, I run some podcasts, they're kind of cool, go and listen to them. Or you can do one that's, hey, I'm Chloe, I focus on e-commerce and problem solving. And you can hit those correct notes and give people the right calls to action. And if you've prepped your About Us page, it's a lot easier. As I'm saying this, I'm thinking, Does, is, how good is my About Us page at the moment? Does it hit the right notes? I'm going to have to check it before you put this episode out soon. But it gives you the thinking time to consolidate what that message should be. And as you're creating it, you'll go, yeah, I could do a little mini video about that. I could do a Reels about that piece. Actually, this page would be even better if I did a YouTube video and put it in here of me and my co-founder talking about the product and giving a little mini tour of the workshop. So you start to, it really consolidates the thinking, just thinking about it as that one page. And then from there, that content gets repurposed across social, across your email welcome campaigns, across everything else you're doing and gives you inspiration for what avenues to go down with the the more on the go storytelling content, the more dynamic. That's what we called it earlier, wasn't it? The dynamic storytelling. Yeah, the dynamic ones. Okay, so I'm making this into three steps. Tell me if these are right. Okay. One, the foundational founder story. So who you are as the maker of your product and the founder of your business, maybe how you got into the business, what your product is, make it personable. And it's not a resume. Make it personable where someone, think of someone coming to your site or you going to someone else's site. What do you want to read? You don't want to read a resume. You want to read something personable. So get that done. So you're about us page. And then I think what you're saying here, Chloe, I've made this as step number two is take all that content or portions of that content 
and then you can spread those out across social Mm -hmm. media. And the other trick that I forget about this often is if you put up that post, you can post it again six six months from now. So this can be continual content. You always have new people coming in and getting to know you and coming on your website or following you on the socials. So this is something that you don't have to do just once, one and done. You can reuse that content so your energy gets more bang for the buck that way. So that's the second one. And then the third one is the dynamic storytelling, the in the time, capturing those moments, all the examples that we've shared now throughout our whole conversation, and just start developing a mindset about storytelling versus selling (laughs) all the time. I think those are three awesome steps. And if everyone listening does those, they will definitely see the impact over the coming months. See the impact. And you know what else I feel, Chloe, is it just is more fun to do it that way. It doesn't feel like pressure putting out information, hoping for a return. It's more just establishing friendships and relationships and getting people to know you. And then naturally, they're going to be more interested in what you're selling. Exactly. And I have to add one other teeny tiny thing to step one getting the About Us page right, which is it's never going to be finished, your About Us page. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be finished. You're going to be redoing it every few months. So please, please, please don't, as a result of this, go and spend an hour or so putting it together. And go, oh, it's not quite right. I won't put it live. Put it live <laughs> and then come back in a bit and then tweak it based on everything you've been learning whilst following the other two steps. So it will never be finished, but that's a marvellous, marvellous thing. So get it live and then you can improve it later. Yeah. And to your point about going back and taking a look at it, yourself, all of us from time to time. The way we speak, the way we're communicating with our audiences, the words we choose changes over time. And sometimes it's just nice to freshen it up anyway. Yeah. So I love that. Wonderful. This has been such a fabulous conversation. I knew it would be. Tell us a little bit more about what's going on with you right now and what you're looking at for the future. Sure. Well, I am... Still, I think, as per the last time we called up, running two podcasts. I've got the e-commerce master plan podcast, which is weekly. And each week I interview a different retailer about what they're up to in their business. And the other podcast is Keep Optimizing, which is all about e-commerce marketing. And each month we focus on a different marketing topic. So it could be Facebook ads, it could be organic social, it could be email. And across the month, every Wednesday, I interview a different expert in that subject matter. And then what I'm up to at the moment is I'm doing quite a few events for people, both online and a couple face-to-face now, which is quite exciting, as generally as the moderator of panels, which keeps my brain active, if nothing else. Usually very (laughs) interesting panels, but certainly keeps the brain active. And I'm currently working on how we get some element of sustainability in more into the content I put out. So I'm getting quite excited about the potential of e-commerce to be a force for good in the world of climate saving, I suppose. Ooh. I'm in the education phase because I'm aware I know very little about this at the moment. And then hopefully by the new year, I've worked out how we're going to really make that a key strand through the podcast. 
well, we have to keep listening to find out how that evolves then. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a journey because I'm not going to have learned everything by January. (laughs) Everyone can come and join me on the journey. Well, and isn't this an example of storytelling? Oh, completely. There you go. So you integrate it into what you're doing and you share along the way. So beautiful. Okay, so we know about the two podcasts, specifically for retail, e-commerce, master plan, and optimizing your brand overall, keep optimizing podcasts. So both of those podcasts. Anywhere else you'd like to direct our listeners to know more? If they head to ecommercemasterplan.com, they'll find out all the stuff I'm up to, including the podcasts, any events we're running, and my books as well. Wonderful. Chloe, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And I really appreciate you coming back on the show today. Thanks, Sue. It's been an utter pleasure catching up with you as well. So thank you. My favorite thing about incorporating storytelling into your business is it makes content creation so much easier. And it provides the solution that I always harp on. Don't only be posting product and price all the time. Plus, storytelling is fun. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, leaving a rating and review helps the show get seen by more makers. Here's one from Miss Theezy. She says, I love this podcast. It's full of so many tips and tricks that can benefit all small business owners, no matter what kind of business you have. Sue is amazing and she brings on wonderful and inspiring guests. Well, thank you, Miss Theezy. I agree. My guests are amazing, and I love bringing their perspective and expertise to you. As a loyal listener, there are other ways to show support for the podcast, too. Visit our brand new shop for a wide variety of gift biz paraphernalia, like mugs, t-shirts, water bottles, and more, featuring logos and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. They make great gifts, too, can be shipped throughout the U.S., and are available at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds help offset the costs of producing this podcast. And now be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on Christmas Day on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.